0: Make friends for yourselves by means of dishonest wealth, so that when it is gone, they may welcome you into the eternal homes. Please pray with me. Dear Father in heaven, we ask you once again to join us here this morning, and we trust that you are here with us. May my words be your words, and all of our thoughts your thoughts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please sit. One of my favorite film genres is the heist film. You know the kind where a band of plucky outlaws who are bad, but really they're good at heart, so we're, we're rooting for them. They have to break into some place to uh, take down somebody really bad. And one of my favorite tropes, sort of one of the things that you always see in heist movies like this, is that there's a moment in the movie near the end, where the plan seems to be going bad. It all seems to be falling apart. But then we discover at the end of the film that making it seem like it was falling apart was part of the plan all along. And the best part is, once you know what's really been going on, you remember all the clues that the movie left you along the way And possibly they even go back and show you some scenes again, and you think, man, I should have figured that out. Like in Ocean's Eleven. Of course, what could be my favorite thing turns into my least favorite thing when a movie, unlike Ocean's Eleven, pulls the whole, here's what was really going on the whole time, but without leaving you any clues, they just... uh, Go back and say, oh, here's a scene that's crucial to your understanding of the plot that we just didn't show you. Like Oceans 12. <laughs> you can't just say, oh, oh, here's a scene you never knew about. Ha ha. Right? That's not clever screenwriting, that's cheating. But we love this kind of storytelling. The idea that one thing is going on on the surface while another thing is going on Underneath, We especially like it when what's going on underneath is unexpected or even shocking. And the story that Jesus tells this morning, a story about a shrewd or in some translations unjust or dishonest manager, is one of these stories. And you know, this kind of storytelling from Jesus shouldn't surprise us, actually. Our God is always telling these kinds of of story, stories where what's really going on, the story underneath the story, is profoundly counterintuitive, surprising, even shocking. Right? Our God comes to earth, but not riding on a heavenly chariot. He comes in the form of an infant in weakness. His hometown is a backwater from where no one expects anything noteworthy to come. He defeats death forever, but he does it by dying. Now, theologians have called this counterintuitive work of God subcontrario. For all you Latin scholars out there, this simply means under the opposite. Subcontrario, that the Lord is doing unexpected and shocking things hidden under the opposite of where we sinful human beings expect him to be at work. And this parable that Jesus tells in Luke 16, a parable about a dishonest manager, is nothing if not unexpected. So a manager is accused by the boss of being dishonest with the money. And so he's getting fired and worried that he'll have to find real work and not having the skill and being too ashamed to beg. The manager goes out to all the people who owe his master and he reduces their debts. So that when he gets fired and finds himself out on the street, they might remember how nice he was to them and be nice to him in return. And one important thing to understand about this story is that he hasn't been fired yet. So these reductions are legally binding. He is giving away his master's money. These people will no longer owe the master what they once did. So, So in other words... The manager has been cheating the boss. That's why he's getting fired. And now he's going to cheat him even more for completely selfish reasons. And not only does the boss commend the manager for his shrewdness, Jesus throws in his two cents, seeming to commend him as well. And I tell you, Jesus says, make friends for yourselves by means of dishonest wealth so that when it is gone, they may welcome you into the eternal homes. Now, like I said, there, there's an Ocean's Eleven thing happening here. There's two things going on, and we're going to tackle them one at a time. The first thing that's happening is, a story, is in this story is a teaching about generosity. The second is an illustration of how a sinner like you and me might be made righteous. So the story is a teaching about generosity, but the story under the story, the subcontrario work of the Lord, is an illustration about how a sinner might be made righteous. So let's talk generosity first. The key to understanding this parable is in Jesus's distinction between what he calls the children of this age on the one hand and the children of light Remember what he says after he tells the story. He says, The children of this age are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the children of light. And Jesus' story is firmly fixed in this age, isn't it? This is a this age story. We have managers. We have bets. We have swindling. We have embezzlement, wheeling and dealing. These are things of this age. The dishonest manager. Is a child of this age. Now I told you that Jesus is teaching us a lesson about generosity, right? And we might say that the dishonest manager is being generous to his master's debtors. But there's a problem, right? He's being generous with his master's money, not with his own. And Jesus seems to commend him for it. And Jesus is Commending him. But remember, he's talking to us as children of light. So he's illustrating generosity for us children of light by telling a story that involves children of this age. And so the parable is about generosity. It's just not about generosity with what's yours. This parable is about generosity with what is your master's. Now, what do we say each week when our offering is brought up here to the table? We say yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. All things come from you. Oh, Lord, we are acknowledging that our master's possession is everything. And then we say, of your own, have we given you? We are acknowledging that everything is God's. Everything is our master's. And so when we are generous, we are not generous with our own possessions, but with his. And Jesus is commending this kind of generosity. Be like the dishonest manager. Be extravagantly generous with your master's possessions. Are there those who owe you? Are there those who are in need? Cut their debts in half. Forgive them altogether. The manager in the parable gives generously out of a selfish desire to have a roof over his head after he gets fired. But he's a child of this age. But you... You children of light, though your motivation isn't the same, your generosity ought to be. Our generosity ought to look like this. What the dishonest manager actually does is a great model to imitate. Give away what is your master's. In fact, it's the only way to give. Because everything in heaven and on earth is God's. Everything you have to give, everything you can be generous with is God's. This is the teaching of the story, a teaching about generosity. Everything you have is God's. It is your master's. So give freely. Give abundantly. Give overflowingly. We'll uh, come back to this in a few weeks when we start talking about stewardship and pledging. But now... We have a story beneath the story. We have God doing something unexpected, even shocking, regarding righteousness. Something that is incredibly good news for sinners. In The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, C.S. Lewis describes two kinds of magic. There is what he calls deep magic and deeper magic. The deep magic is that all traitors' lives are forfeit to the white witch. If someone in Narnia behaves in a treasonous way, they'll lose their lives to her on a stone table. The idea implicit in this idea of deep magic is that the way the world is supposed to work is good. We're supposed to be honorable. We are supposed to be faithful. But when there is good and there is also violation, then there is bad. In other words, there are rules and the rules must be upheld and broken rules come with consequences. That's how things are supposed to work. That's deep magic. And so in a sense, the fact, the true fact that all things are God's, And that we are called to be extravagantly generous with our master's possession is a deep magic. Generosity is a reflection of God's holiness. It is the foundation of how a community lives together. How a church functions in the world. How love is expressed among people. But... As Lewis has his Christ figure, Aslan, the lion, explained, there is a deeper magic than that. See, the problem with the deep magic is that it makes us all liable to the white witch. And she gets her pound of flesh from anyone who fails to live up to the standard. But of course... In the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, it's not a sinner who lies down on the table. It's Aslan himself. And here's what Aslan says. Though the witch knew the deep magic, there is a magic deeper still, which she did not know. Her knowledge goes back only to the dawn of time. But if she could have looked a little further back, into the stillness and the darkness before time dawned, she would have read there a different incantation. She would have known that when a willing victim who had committed no treachery was killed in a traitor's stead, the table would crack and death itself would start working backwards. When a willing victim... Who had committed no treachery was killed in a traitor's stead, the table would crack and death itself would start working backwards. Remember those offertory words Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom. O God, and you are exalted as head above all, all things come from you, O Lord. When we say this, yes, we are referring to the material things that we have put in the offering plate, our giving, our generosity. But we are also talking about everything that is in heaven and that is on earth. Everything is God's. And that includes the other thing that this story is about. Righteousness. Itself. God is holy. We are not. God is righteous. We are not. Righteousness is his, not ours. And in a moment, we're going to confess that the knowledge of our sin is more than we can bear. But something amazing has happened. Something Shocking, something unexpected. Someone has been a willing victim and, in so doing, has been generous with his master's possession. Jesus has given God's own righteousness to us. Like the shrewd manager, giving abundantly out of his master's wealth, Jesus gives God's own goodness to us, to sinners like you and me. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. There is no distinction, all have fallen short Sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation, a perfect offering by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness Because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. This is from Romans 3, the righteousness of God, God's own righteousness through faith in Jesus Christ. Everything you possess is God's including the very righteousness by which you are counted in good standing with him. In other words, our God is not at work helping you develop a righteousness of your own and really hoping that it'll get good enough to meet the standard he has set. No, God's standard is God's own righteousness, holiness, perfection, He requires it, yes, but then in Christ, he gives it to you. Not a righteousness that comes from you, but a righteousness that is his, given to you. And he does that through Jesus, who gives generously, gives overflowingly of his master's possession. Now, the deep magic is true, of course. Anything you have in this world is not yours, but God's. Be generous with it. Give generously, overflowingly. Give without limit. That's a true story and deep magic. But that can't be the end of the story. Because that story ends up with all of us on the white witch's table. No one is generous enough, faithful enough. No one is enough enough. But there is a deeper magic, a willing victim. Jesus Christ, who had committed no treachery, was killed in your stead. And the table has cracked and death itself has started working backwards. Jesus has been generous with his master's possession. He is God's righteousness, and He has given it to you. Amen.